0: Good morning Vineyard, it's good to be home and um, we sincerely do uh, appreciate your uh, your prayer for Nick and um, at this time it's for those of you, many of you who've travelled like into Europe and back, it's a long ride and uh, when you're sitting in those tin cans for hours on end, <laughs> um, all of the, it was a real joy to meet as usual with the um, national directors from around the world. Uh, I forget how many of us were there. There was probably about 40 of us in total and um, from different nations all over the world and we speak a whole variety of different languages, even... uh the Australians and the, uh, the British, we need interpreters sometimes to help us, particularly with the South Africans at this time, we needed some help. Um, you know, there was a bit of carry-on from the sporting of arenas at, <laughs> at the moment, created a bit of tension in the room. But um, it's always wonderful to meet together with um, a greater group of people who are trying to journey together across, with God in what he's doing in the planet as a, as a family, as a peculiar family in the earth. And um, we take great joy in, in me- those meetings. So uh, um, just to give you an idea on where we went, we so we jumped on a plane on the Thursday night here in Brizzy and we flew to Dubai. That was about 15 hours and then we had a three-hour layover and we jumped on another plane which was another six hours over to Rome. And then um, we had 48 hours in Rome before we had to be over in Lisbon, Portugal which was another sort of three and a half hour flight Um, and um, so Nicole being Nicole she just loves to um, like suck everything out of a moment that's possible and so she said we're in Rome let's get busy seeing Rome so I think in, in the 48 hours we were there, we did something like 26 kilometres of walking, just seeing everything that you can see in the space of a couple of days, and, um, which was fantastic, really amazing to um, see some of the things that are, that are there in Rome, and uh, particularly with regards to the history of the church and, uh, and Christianity. Um, for, you know, for so much of our early history, our early Christian history, you know, Rome was the then center of the world, and, and it was, uh, it was there that there was massive, um, cultural shift that took place when God, uh, moved one, a culture from paganism, uh, into, into a Christian nation. There was a whole bunch of mess around all of that as well, but to see some of the home ground where that stuff played out was quite incredible. I, I took all of your greetings and I said hi to the Pope. Well, you know, I waved at him from a, he was up there. So, so, but I said, you know, Pine River says hi. <laughs> so, I don't know if he heard me, but anyway, I sent your greetings because I knew you'd want him to be blessed. Um, so I did that and, uh, then we jumped on a plane, shot over to Lisbon. And then when we were in Lisbon, we jumped on another aeroplane and flew south down to the very southern part of, um, Portugal to a a town called Faro, and then we jumped in a car and drove for about an hour to where we ended up, which was this little seaside town called Tavira in Portugal, where we spent the week sitting in a conference room. We did have one day where we went to the local markets to check it all out, which was a bit of fun to see the city, but it was a beautiful little um, seaside town, and uh, it was just lovely to hear the bell ringing every... 15 minutes. By the end of the week, I was thankful that I don't live under a clock tower. (laughs) Uh, But it was just quaint. It was lovely. The people were beautiful. And uh, the hospitality of of those that were looking after us was wonderful. And um, our meetings, um, just just to encourage you, um, our meetings were, we were working together to try and, as a family of churches in the earth, Try and partner with the Holy Spirit to staying on, a, you know, in touch with what God is doing, and also, plant, you know, His desire to see um, His kingdom advanced and churches planted all over the world in many different languages and places, and and to to be together in that sort of space, pursuing God together in worship and ministry and prophesying to each other and opening the Scriptures together. It's an incredible space. To be in and um, and I give to, I, I really give thanks to God for um, what um, often we would consider um, you know culturally we often consider small or or um, or um, we we often consider small as negative, particularly in the West, uh, and yet we have got vineyard churches um, that are like very very small like six to eight people all through the persecuted world right now that are meeting and that are our our family and they live under incredible duress but we have churches planting everywhere all through um, different parts of the Middle East, different parts of um, access restricted Asia um, and, um, and it's wonderful to be able to Um, meet with some of the people that are engaged on the front line of that and um, it's it it just it's you know after going to Rome where everything was so big and grand uh, to then go down to this little seaside town of Tavira and meet with people that we that are name you know in the eyes of the world nameless and faceless and yet they are just advancing the cause of Jesus all through their villages, their homes, their cities, their towns, and their countries. And it's, I tell you, you guys are a part of something incredible with this movement called the Vineyard Family of Churches. And um, and I, Nicole and I, we just want to say thank you for the way that you continue to stay faithful to the to the to the things of Jesus here that He's asked you to be about here, loving people locally. Um, and as you do that, you also give room and um, and support for Nicole and I to be able to do what we need to do on a national and international um, activity base. And so we give God great thanks for you and we continue to ask for him to con- um, just empower you with everything of his spirit to be about doing local church because that's what we're about. All right, this morning... Uh, Nicole's not here as we prayed but she was she was due to come and share with you this morning about a whole bunch of things with regards to updates of um, logos and websites and um, all sorts of fun stuff and she was going to celebrate that this morning but she's violently ill and um, she said still do it still do it and I'm and I'm just like no, <laughs> I, I, I just want to wait and get, don't, I, I don't want her to miss out on the joy of something that's been prepared in her heart to want to share with you. And so if, we'll just hang on to that for a couple of weeks and we'll do that in a couple of weeks' time post-Easter. Um, I know that would bless um, Nicole greatly. So just hold fire on that. Watch this space. We'll be back onto that one in a couple of weeks. I want this morning to share with you about uh, Passion Week This is the week where traditionally in the lead up to Easter, we begin to remember the journey that Jesus took from um, sitting on a donkey to going to a cross. And I just want to touch into some of that for a little bit this morning. Um, You know, we often hear all over the place people talking about you've got to have passion, to, to do life. You've got to have passion. If you, if you, if you want to have a, a, a fulfilling relationship of any sort, be it a personal relationship, be it a marriage relationship, be it a workplace relationship, you need passion for those things to thrive. Um, some of you are school teachers, um, and, you know, without passion for working with young people and children, you, you know, um, it's, it's an, it can be like any other vocation. It can be one that is, um, you know just to keep turning up to every day to to want to be um faithful as bricklayers to be bakers to be academics to be chaplains uh, it doesn't matter what your vocation is that god's called you into it, with the absence of passion it becomes very arduous and very um very mundane and so people are always talking about keep keep yourself passionate stay alive to what you're doing um, some of you have started small businesses and you're trying to pursue God into these small business activities and along the way you discover that it's actually quite hard work getting a small business off the ground uh, and there'll be lots of things that will come along the way to want to squeeze you, the challenging and the opportunity moments, we want to squeeze you enough uh, to the point where you'll want to just kind of like throw up the hands and give up and go and do something else. Um, believe it or not, I have days like that. Uh, and I have, uh, but for me, those days sound like, um, they sound like this. They sound like, oh, gee, I, you know, I, I think I could... I'd see someone doing something on television or I'll drive past someone working and doing something and I'll go, you know, I, I think I could do, do that. I, I think I could do that. And as soon as I do start talking like that, Nicole knows it's a little tell. And she just starts poking at me. And she'll say, you know that if you tried to do anything other than what you have been God made for, you would be the most miserable person on planet Earth. I'm like, yeah, fair call, cool. fair call. Cool. So I have to get myself back into that relational space so that my heart is alive again to the purposes of God for my life and I get filled with his spirit. Um, you know, passion is, is a quality of heart, it's a quality of mind and it's also it's 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 a way of um, living with great focus, great great focus. And if there's one thing that we're living in right now, it's a time and a culture and a space where there is mass distraction, mass distraction through uh, just the the connectivity of everything from media to online social life to um, opportunities that are afforded to us. There is just massive distraction, and we can get like, um, you know, it's a bit like the bouncing ball goes in front of our eyes, and we've been focused here, but there's like, oh, there goes a bouncing ball, you know, and we find ourselves distracted. So some of us, maybe even with our parenting, find ourselves distracted or lacking passion for the cause of, of our children coming alive in the purposes of God. Some of us are just living flat out with no vision, or we've started with vision but because along the way it got hard, it got challenged and there was an opportunity for growth and maturity, we checked out because it was hard and we checked out and in the process of checking out we lost vision or we felt defeated and like we could never see that vision come to life. Well this morning is the start of a week where we in the Christian church, we refer to it as Passion Week. As Passion week. It's a week where we start to take time to remember what Jesus walked and what he did for us by going and getting, allowing himself to be crucified on a cross for people um, to set them free from the powers of the demonic, to set them free from the power of sin itself, and to set them free into the goodness of the kingdom of God. It's a week where we remember a number of things about just how passionate Jesus Christ was and continues to be about you. It is also a week where we remember just how passionate Jesus Christ is, not just about you, but about the people that you are walking every day with around you. And not just the people around you, but also our city, our region, our Moreton Bay region. Just how passionate Jesus is about the Moreton Bay region. Uh, You know, one of the things that really, what's the best way to describe this, irks me or, or stirs me up, is when I hear people slacking off about the region in which we live. And they just start Slacking off over it. You know, they'll call it all sorts of rubbish names. And I, and I'm just like, no, you, you, you have no vision. You have no vision. Just think about when God called, um, Jonah to go to Nineveh. Even Jonah, as God, as God's bloke on the job, you know, was challenging God's idea of what a good city would look like. And God had to take him through a process of vision transformation, i.e. in the belly of a fish. Hopefully you don't have to do that. Um, but he went through a process of vision transformation and God referred to Nineveh as the great city of Nineveh. That's how God described it. And he needed someone with his vision, with God's vision, to go and love that city into life. And that's what, that's what Jonah did. He had a vision transformation And in the process of that, he went to what he thought was a slack, downtrodden, nothing kind of region and people that, why would you even bother spending time with them? And God turned that around and gave him an understanding of, no, no, Jonah, you don't understand. That's the great city of the people of Nineveh. God is is calling for a people who understand the passion of Jesus for the towns, the places, the streets, and the families that he has placed you among. Jesus has walked everything that you'll remember this week as you reflect on the scriptures of his journey from the donkey to the cross, where he was powerfully given to focusing in on the great generosity, plans, purposes and power of God's hope for a lost world and for our very own towns in which we live. This is a week where Jesus and his great passion for the Father's cause of reconciling all things in heaven and on earth and for reconciling people to God and to each other, it took Jesus into a narrowing of his daily life experience. It took him from being a big broad vision of, I'm, I'm, I'm the son of man, the son of God, with the big overall overarching works of God to be done, to reconcile all things and to conquer the, and break the back of the enemy. But it then had to be narrowed in. It had to be horned in. It went from being broad to very focused. And this is what God will do with us. If we dare say, I'll follow you, he'll take you from the big passionate vision of seeing yourself in the plans and purposes of God and he will horn you in. He will narrow your focus because there must come a point and a place where the vision of God gets repurposed in us so that we partner with him in his strategic inbreaking for the people that we live among. See, it cuts in from being all about heaven and it goes where God starts to answer our prayer, where we pray, let your kingdom come on earth just like it is in heaven. But for it to come on into the earth, God needs to do that in partnership with you and Jesus. He's going to narrow that in and he's going to give you a little, what you might think is the smallest piece of the puzzle. But he's asking, will you be faithful to what I'm asking him? And will you carry it? And will you steward it? And will you follow me into it? When everything in culture and, and just spiritual atmosphere and even our own lack of understanding of who we really are as new creatures in Jesus, even as we're still waking up to the truth of that, There is a narrowing in that God is asking you and me to follow him into. This is a week where we, where the talk and the walk becomes unmistakably focused. And for Jesus, he had to navigate pain, he had to navigate emotional intelligence, he had to navigate spiritual power and contest. And these are all of the same things that you and I will be confronted with when we say yes to Jesus. We have to, we have to deal with pain. Being a follower of Jesus is not about the absence of pain and suffering. Not at all. Being a follower of Jesus is not a holiday. It's a following God through those moments for the greater purposes of God and our own coming alive to God. This week begins with a triumphal entry. We're going to read about it. Scott actually read it out to us earlier in the scriptures. It begins with a triumphal entry, though not as the all-conquering king on the horse with all of his bounty in tow. It's still a triumphal entry, but he's sitting on a donkey, and he's coming in humility, and he's trusting himself to the... Processes of God so that the kingdom of God will come. And he's coming with humility as he sits on a donkey symbolizing, I come in peace. It's a week where we begin to see a procession of surrender and humility. Jesus coming into this world with peace. Despite the works of the enemy, knowing all of that, he's been driving out demons and healing the sick and empowering people to do all of that, uh, even up to this point. So the demonic and the, con- the great spiritual contest for Jesus is, is in its rightful place when he, as he trusts the Father. He surrenders himself to a greater plan and he doesn't live with anxiety, though he does acknowledge his emotional intelligence along the way. For Jesus, we see him take on the horror and the disgust of the cross. The absolute disgust of it. I kind of got just a little bit more of a, I don't know, an idea of what that was like this last few weeks when Nicole and I, we went through Rome. And we stopped and we took a, a tour with a, with a really smart person person that knows their history very well on the Colosseum, and we spent time there standing on the floor of the Colosseum, of of where it was you know a place of um basically built for entertainment and and population control and and um and the abuse of power but it in in the in the place of that great feature of construction was a place where the people of Jesus were were thrown from above the top of where um, uh, Caesar would sit and they were thrown down into the Colosseum over in front of him and uh, for entertainment's sake their life was expendable. Now the reason why their life was expendable be, was because Caesar understood himself to be God and it was a pagan culture. Everyone had a whole heap of different gods but there was one thing about the Christians... That the empire did not like, they confessed allegiance to only one God, and His name was Jesus, the Son of God, and they they not only confessed allegiance to Him, they confessed that He was Lord, which was the title that belonged to Caesar. And so Caesar was just saying, "I'll show you who's Lord," and he would just keep throwing the Christians in, and see them being, um, you know, destroyed and killed for the sake of entertainment. And so, you know, when I looked at that and the horror of some of the things that they did, I won't go into explaining it all, and then I look at what Jesus did, who was hung on a cross, which was a a, a tool of the Roman Empire for for basically lighting up their streets at night, um, where they would put people on them and light them up, he... He took on the horror of all of this because there was something more powerful at work in Jesus. There was a determination and a passion in him for the will of his father, making everything right in heaven and on earth and breaking the back of death and the enemy. And we see Jesus with his blood shed and his body broken at the end of this week. And we hear him from the cross Yelling out, forgive them. Forgive them. You see, Jesus had an understanding of what the Father was doing. And then, then we're going to enter into some days of silence. Three days where everything that they'd hoped for, everything that they'd hoped for was dashed. And now it was just silence. We are very uncomfortable with silence. This week, as we get to Good Friday and we spend time together at Bullocky's Rest, there will come a moment there where we realise Jesus has gone to the cross and now he is dead and buried. And there is that awkward silence of what do we do when God doesn't act like we think he should because God's not living according to our plans and then the week ends with great victory as he's risen from the dead resurrected over the powers of death and hell sin and all of the powers of the demonic and the the prince of this world Satan himself victory over the powers of people who hold political sway, positions of influence and are busy about shaping culture. Victory, Jesus, born of a virgin, lived, suffered, died under Pontius Pilate's rule, crucified, died and was buried and on the third day rose again to bring many sons and daughters into a glorious relationship with God the Father forever. That's what this week is. Don't miss any of it because of whether it because it's awkward or difficult or uncomfortable the passion of god is all consuming and willing to navigate every one of these difficult and awkward realities such is the mature love of our god and you know when we pray oh god i just want to be like you i just want to grow up i just want to be like jesus well you're going to have to let him horn you in a little you're just going to have to let him horn you in a little and confront some of the immaturity that's there. John chapter 12 um, I, I, is, is this great story of Jesus and the triumphal entry. And then there's this little section from verse 20. Let me read this to you. There were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast and they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in, in Galilee with a request and they said, Sir... We would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. And Jesus' reply, you gotta got to understand, Jesus, is, before he hopped on a donkey, he he looked at Jerusalem, and he wept, and he cried. And in the process of all of that, he gave himself over to the great plans and purposes of God. So Jesus is living with great focus and passion in this space and he replies he says the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified jesus not he clearly knows what's ahead of him i tell you the truth unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains only a single seed but if it dies it produces many seeds The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. You ever felt pressed? It doesn't matter what the situation. Have you ever felt pressed, where you've given yourself to following a course of of relationship with God and daily living, where you've said, "I'm I'm just going to follow you into that," and then you have felt pressed? Well, Jesus, right here, is pressed. He is pressed. On all fronts. And I think it's really wonderful that John, as he writes this gospel, he captures a snapshot into the heart of Jesus. And Jesus courageously acknowledges his heart. He says, My heart is troubled. You know, when you're pressed and you're troubled, Well, Jesus here is living with great passion, and it's in the context of that being pressed that he says, No, the Father is leading me here. I am gonna give myself to his purposes. No, it's for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven came from heaven, and I I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it, and they said that it had thundered. Others had said an angel had spoken to Jesus. And then Jesus said, "Hey, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Get that. Just get that. When I'm pressed, when I'm under the pump, when I'm feeling the the pressures of the darkness and the, and the you know the opinions of others." pressing hard against my decisions to say yes to Jesus and try and walk that out, is as faithful as as I can, right there, I would want to hear that voice for my benefit so I can stay the course. But Jesus says, no, no, it's for everyone else's benefit, that voice, because Jesus already knows what's ahead. He's given himself over. This voice was for your benefit, not mine, Now is the time for judgment to fall on this world. Now the prince of this world would be driven out. But when I am lifted up from the earth, I I will draw all men to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This is an incredible moment of Jesus. Hey, Bo, if you could snap through for me, if possibly on that, through to, um, there's a slide there called The People of Kingdom Passion. It's about five slides in. There we go. Let me just quickly um, just offer this to you. Jesus' passion was a surrendered passion. It was one that was given over to a will that was bigger than his own, and yet that will couldn't come to pass until his will was unified with it. Kingdom people abandon themselves to the will of God by actively bringing their will to what God is doing. Not in absence, not in passivity, not in like, oh, I'll just give it all to God and hope that somehow the good stuff falls down and lands on us. No, it's a, I'm giving it all to God and actually I'm bringing my will into agreement with the will of what God is doing to bring his kingdom to the earth. How's our will? Knowing Um, that Jesus gave himself over to this kind of I'm bringing my will to his will shows us what it really means to live as a son or a daughter of God. It's a participation, as Neil reminded you guys last weekend when he was teaching. It's a partnership with what God's doing, not an observation from like, oh, what look what God's doing over there. No, you're squarely in the picture, and so am I. Our will with his will, no, it's a surrendered reality. And it's one, you know, Max Lucado says it like this. He says, oh, he him. He says, oh, the cross, that's nothing new to most. We've seen it. We've even worn it. Some of us have it on our skin. Um, you've worn it. You've thought about it. You've read about it. You've kneeled before it. You've prayed before it. But do you actually know the cross? <coughs> passion for jesus will always lead us to and through the cross not around it not over it not under it through it that jesus life is a crucified resurrected life for the disciple. And for those who are truly coming alive to the knowledge of being sons and daughters of the living God, we understand the pathway is the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. Paul says it. it's it's the message of most importance. I was listening to Simon Ponsonby two years ago in a small lecture in in London, and he's, he's a great theologian, and I think he was a butcher originally before he became a great theologian. And he says, Hey, church, Don't forget the cross, because if you lose the cross, you lost the plot. Because that's the message, Paul, Paul says, of most importance, first importance. Passion for Jesus will always bring us to these intensified moments of surrender and determined love that says, I will trust him. And Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me and will be where I am. It's about being surrendered to the Father's timings over your life. There's moments in our life where God will call us into more than what we're doing right now. Not our timing, His timing. Not our good five-year strategic plan on where we want to be, but some, this is about Him and what He's doing to save the world as we're partnering with Him in that. Not our timing, His. About five years ago, Nicole and I, we found ourselves in a meeting with some people and a conversation about some of the work that God wants to do with this movement called The Vineyard here in Australia. And at that time, we felt like, uh, in the context of that conversation, Nicole and I, we said, we can't really participate at that level. We still think we need another five years before we can actually play at that level. Well, God interrupted that. And three years, he had other plans. And so now we're having to deal with all of the pressing realities of allowing God to horn our life in for his greater glory. And let me tell you, there is grace for it. You don't do this alone. You do this because you're a son or a daughter of God. And you realize that in greater trust comes the life of God. We feel each day like we're being called into greater and smaller but yet more significant moments with God and they require more trust every step of the way but as a son I can trust my father and if there's anything I've learned from Jesus that in the passion of Jesus I see the son who can trust his father because Jesus didn't stay on the cross he was resurrected There is a time for everything under heaven, and it is God's good timing over our lives because he's invited us into his story. I mean, we invite him into our heart, but we think, oh, look, that's good because I've got this plan and I could really use you to help me fulfill that plan. Come on. I mean, come on. God's calling us into his story, his kingdom, his plans. He's called us out from underneath the powers of darkness. He has driven it out so that we could live his life. Partnering with him for an eternal good that would not only be for our well-being, but for the well-being of everyone that we live among. Or are we still saying, oh, God, I think you could, you know... Come into my heart, and and just if you could just fix this for me, and make my life easier over here. And I'm I'm not what I'm poking at, as I'm poking at that stuff is our cultural comfort, and it's driven by demons. It is a false reality that is trying to tell you if you can just have all of these comforts in place, your life will be just beautiful. You'll be on you'll be on the FSS Fair Star every other weekend. Just 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 rack up the points, rack up the coin. Oh, come on over. We, we take that and we lay that over the top of the, of the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God and we think God's here to serve us. We give ourselves up for the sake of a brand new life where we're forgiven, where we're free and where we come into our true identity. Where is the people of Jesus today? Where are we? Just let the Holy Spirit poke that a little. Just let him upset that in you a little. Let him unstabilize that in you a little. Because this cultural malaise, we just live in it. You know, I live next door to a couple and they've got these massive dogs. And these dogs bark relentlessly. But, but we have become so attuned to the continual barking of these dogs that we no longer hear them, but they're still barking. But when I go away for a few weeks and I come home, the first thing I notice is those bloody barking dogs because my ears have not been in that context for two weeks. Culture. We live in this thing and it just has its way over us. It just has this malaise effect where we no longer actually see the reality anymore. But let the Holy Spirit wake you up, stir you up, make you so uncomfortable, even as he does me, as he calls us to live for the greater glory of God and the salvation of our city and the healing of the city and for people to know Jesus. Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage in him. Wait on him. And the time has come. Give yourselves over again this Easter to the timings of God. It's a life that's surrendered to the purposes and the plans of God. Perhaps the greatest of gifts of coming alive to God in Jesus is that we can experience, is that we can now live with vision and purpose that is so much bigger than our own personal gain and joy. You've got to get over yourself, though, to get into that space. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Um, it's a surrendering to the Father's work of driving back the forces of darkness. We don't like it, but spiritual warfare is our reality. Spiritual warfare is the one reality that our comfort-based culture that we've grown up with struggles to understand. And we think... Oops, sorry, Siri. We think that if we can get in right everything in right order and, and minimise difficulty and manage pain and 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 control environments we think that by living under all of this stuff somehow life will be better that's a false lie it's it's a lie from the enemy don't buy it cough it up spit it up hand it over get rid of it out of your thinking with the help of the holy spirit the reality is god has and god has Is continuing to overthrow the forces of darkness in bringing his kingdom to this world. He has done it through Jesus and he is continuing to do it through his people today. Spiritual contest is a daily relationship and it sounds like this. When we get up every day and we say these words, Yes, Lord. That's where the spiritual contest begins every day for us. Yes, Lord Jesus. Spiritual contest is one where we participate as sons and daughters with God in the greater works, in setting people free, in forgiving sin, in driving out demons, healing the sick and setting the lonely in families. And let me be assured, and as as I know you well are, the enemy is hell-bent against this happening. The enemy, while a defeated enemy, is not a passive enemy. He is a bitter and twisted enemy, and he is an active enemy. But the Father invites us to partner with Jesus in driving out the forces of darkness. You can't say yes to Jesus and not be confronted with that reality. The Father calls us to partner with Jesus in speaking truth to power, in bringing justice where we see injustice, of bringing hope to the hopeless and life to those who are um living in darkness. Now the prince of this of darkness will be driven out. Scott prayed it this morning. We want to be the light that you've made us to be, Jesus. And finally, it is a life of surrendering ourselves to the emotional intelligence of God the Father's heart. You see, Jesus had a very acute understanding of his heart. And this is where um, <clears throat> guys like uh, Peter Scazzero, and his works on emotional intelligence would be well worth your reading. The reason why when we're getting horned in by God, as we, he's, he's drawing us into his greater um, purposes and plans and growing us up in who we are, a big part of why we, we check out or disconnect is because of the emotional intelligence of our heart. And we're unaware of being able to actually articulate the IQ, the intelligence of what's going on in here. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the work in here. Because if the IQ, if the intelligence level is not connected with the intelligence and the heart of the Father, by the help of the Holy Spirit, the EQ will be all out of whack. If this IQ is not in play and in health, the EQ will be out of whack and it'll be out of whack with your relationships. It'll be out of whack in the, in your perception of others. And it'll be out of whack in terms of your understanding of how to be generous with resources and time and emotions and love for people. It will be out of whack. It will be disconnected because the IQ is not in a place of health. G, we, we, have, if God's inviting you to deal just to, to, to grow up, He's gonna, He's gonna work on the intelligence of your heart and the health of it. Because he wants you to live in good EQ. Jesus had good IQ in his heart. Listen to him. He says, now my heart is troubled. He he was clearly in touch with understanding the health of his heart. How well are we in touch with the health of our heart? How well are we willing to go there with Jesus and say, show me my heart? And how well are we re- really willing to go there with Jesus to navigate that? EQ, the impact is the EQ, how you get to relating with others. He's right, mate. He's right. Sometimes we wonder why our relationships are a little awkward or difficult. It's because God's inviting us to grow up in here and get more of his heart so that the EQ will flow with the power of the spirit and a great awareness. Like sometimes one of the great challenges as a parent, as I'm parenting my three amazing young people, is sometimes they do stuff and then afterwards I, I, I kind of I, I sit down with them and I'll, and I say, Do you realize how you're coming off when you say that? And they're just oblivious to it because they're growing up. They're still growing up in the understanding of how they're coming off when they say things or act certain ways or behave certain ways towards others. They're unaware of it. Same for us as followers of Christ. How's the EQ going? Jesus, yes, the equilibrium. Yes, EQ. It's like Wayne up the back there sitting on the sound desk and he's got like a million different slides in front of him right now and if he plays with those, it will affect the way I sound to you. And so his job up there is to try and make my tinny Aussie voice sound really nice, which without the help of this, you know, but that's his job. He's trying to help my voice have an equilibrium about it so that in the hearing of it, you can receive it. Okay? How well are we aware of the emotional well-being of our heart? This Easter, let the Father's love horn in on your heart. Let his heart come around you so that you can come into a greater sense of identity. It's Passion Week. And Jesus' passion is falling on his church. As the Spirit of God is falling with increases of measurement of breakthrough power, the Father is calling you and I into our true self as passionate sons and daughters of the living Jesus. We're living in God's timing for our lives. We're living for him to place us where he wants us and where he needs us. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like sometimes the stuff I say, I'm just so. Like, Fair Income, that's so full on. I'm preaching to myself. God's timing to place us where he wants us and where he needs us and when he needs us there. Man, I get a million stories of, oh, God, what am I even doing here? <laughs> what am I even doing here? Living in the work of the advancing kingdom of Jesus in the earth through actively driving back the works of darkness, and living with a growing emotional intelligence of our heart, both our our IQ and our EQ. If there's one thing I would want to say this Passion Week to all of us and to myself included is drop the need for every religious framework that you think and I think we need And enter into a dynamic, powerful relationship with Jesus. Just drop every framework that we think we need and enter into a dynamic relationship with Jesus. And with the dropping, drop the need for control, drop the need for the techniques that we're busy putting in place to advance our life plan and enter into the life and the passion of Jesus And let him be your daily life and passion. Let go and enter into Jesus this Easter. Let's stand and pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for just the account of John's gospel. That we see in the passion of Jesus an invitation to a whole new way of living life. Hmm. Lord, we just want to stand before you and say, uh, you know, where we've been um, just kind of holding you at arm's length in the various parts of our life, we just ask for your forgiveness. And God, I thank you that you're so quick and kind to forgive and so willing and ready to take us on into a whole new way of living life. And so right now, Lord Jesus... As we just contemplate you, the humble king, coming in peace, yet with great determination, love, and passion, I pray that you would come again and enter in to the life of every single one of us and take us to the cross this Easter. Take us again to the cross. Where we can enter into the greater reality of a life beyond our own comfort and joy. And where we can live with great vigour and passion and all of the things that deep down we go, I'm so desperate for a different life than the one I'm in. Just, we just cough that up right now in the name of Jesus. We just cough up every and let go of every just just false reality that we've allowed to settle in us. And we just get rid of it in Jesus' name, in the hope of your promise, Lord Jesus, that you would humbly and gently come and take us on into the resurrection beyond the cross. But take us through it, Lord. We want to crucify the things of old that we might live again and be resurrected people this Easter. Come, Lord Jesus, let your passion have its way in us, each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. God, not just for us, not just for me, and not just for the individuals in this room, but for... Oh, oh God, just for every child that's been robbed by our passivity and the lies of the enemy. Just free us and forgive us for that, Lord. That our children might rise up into who they know they are in Jesus. I Just in the name of God, Call them out of the cultural malaise that's come over them. And in the name of Jesus, drive them back and command them to let the children of Jesus go. And call them up into their true identity in you, Lord. God help us. Not by, not by any might, Lord. Not by the strength of an arm. But by the work of your spirit in the heart of a person, let the kingdom come for our city, Lord, the heart of our city. For those who hold influence and power and position and authority and control the strings of purses and men and women. Hear our cry, Lord. Hosanna. Where are the people shouting for you, Lord Jesus, to come? Or have we grown weary? Hosanna, come humble king, liberate our city, liberate our leaders, liberate them. God, I just... Do it, God, and use us. Let us put our hand to what your hand is on. Let us put our heart to what your heart is on. Let us put all of our resources and hold nothing back. Nothing back. We can't go to the cross and hold on to all this stuff. We have to let it go and trust you for the abundance of your kingdom and the resurrection on the other side. We have to let it go. I'm really like, God, I'm sorry if I'm just being a little random and emotional right now, but, oh, God, have mercy. Just have mercy on us. We didn't sign up just to keep living the way we once did. We signed up to see your glory come, to see your kingdom come. We gave away our kingdom for you, Jesus. Your kingdom, Lord. Even as my gut is wrenched this morning and my heart tears, God, I thank you that this is a safe place. And I thank you for the love that's in this room, each for the other and for you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, continue to bless your people. Continue to grow them up. Continue to take them through the cross for the greater life that awaits us as we do that every day. There's just a We've been singing that song for a month or more here in this place. We've been just singing that song. For me, for me, only Jesus. May that be true for his greater glory in Jesus' name. Father, I bless your people this week to go and enter into the passion of the Christ, the passion of Jesus this week. Fill them with your spirit. Liberate them and set them free to live the life that you've won for them. And I pray that after this coming week, Lord, that, that, that there would be great sense of breakthrough of um, purpose and, and placement and emotional health and intelligence for your people. Just continue to grow us up for your greater glory, Lord. You saved us to live life, not just exist. You've saved us to live life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.